0: morning everybody everybody as well happy tuesday thanks so much for joining us hope everyone's doing great what a beautiful beautiful day today it's getting into fall november is upon us for those that are here live whenever you listen we appreciate you listening thanks much for tuning in we've been talking about the idea of understanding the level of responsibility that we impact others even in ways that we don't know even at times that we, we may never really appreciate. So when, you, when each of us, which I think we all deep down want, has visions of influencing, we get lost in thinking that influencers are those that are giving big speeches or have shows or write books or stand behind pulpits. And there is a certain level of influence there, but generations usually aren't influenced. I mean, maybe they are, but I don't know. I don't know. If you look at an entire generation of people and you say, "Who is your greatest influence?" Usually, they'll sometimes they'll say the rabbi, the speaker, the author, but lots of times they'll say my grandmother, my grandfather, my parents. You know, the, the, the rabbi not behind the pulpit with the rabbi in the front of the shul that I prayed in and I watched him, my teacher. Right? The, the influencers in our lives a lot of times don't have degrees, may not be as articulate. But we watch them. We look at them. I can tell you, I, you know, I sit you know, five feet from my rabbi in shul. And he's an incredible speaker and he's an amazing influencer. But the influence that he has on me is that I sit five feet from him for the past, I don't know, decade. And I get to watch him, just how he prays, how he talks to people. I get to watch him come in uh, at the, you know, sitting, watching him pray at the end of a fast day. And seeing some guy come and ask some really ridiculous question, not realizing that the rabbi is 60 something years old and he's fasted all day and how he deals with it. People interrupt him in the middle of his prayers for something that really could wait. But the way he responds, the way he gives respect to other people, the way he never misses, you know, he always shows up early, like the little things influences me so much. I don't think he knows that. And I don't think I can point to one thing and say, that thing that you did seven years, I don't think it's like that. It's that there's a certain way of watching people that have refined themselves that influences you and encourages you to be more refined. One of my mentors in business may not be the most articulate speaker, but I watch him and I grew up, so to speak, and watching him negotiate deals and watching him deal with challenges and watching him deal with disappointments, watching him deal with employees or counsel that he hired make mistakes costing him money. And just watching how he operates himself, not any one thing in particular. So over time, just sitting and seeing the the difference between one executive and how they treat people and other executives, how someone has a really not a really very bright idea and how in a room he won't like move on. He'll like try to acknowledge it and make the person feel good and then gently move on. Those things matter. You don't read about them in books, they don't turn them into movies, you don't really tell stories about people like that, but that's really where influence takes place. You know, it's interesting that the most important at night that we have on the Jewish calendar, really it's the most important night on the Jewish calendar is the night in which we pass the tradition that started from, from Egypt to the next generation. It's the night of the Seder. There's no night as big and as powerful as the Seder. And it's really where the baton gets passed. And if you look at how the Seder is structured, it's that. From the time the Jews left Egypt until today, every single year, there's some group of people that got together and told the story and passed the baton and lit up the next generation. And if you notice, the Seder doesn't take place at large events with the most charismatic speaker and music and song. The Seder doesn't take place in a yeshiva or in some major synagogue. It takes place around the table with family and friends. That's the point of influence. The point of influence is the small things. It's the small table. It's the groups of people that get together. It's not everybody in one, it's little groups. Last year, I was uh, honored to go on a program. And it was really beautiful. You came out at night at the end of the Seder and it was like, you know, one o'clock in the morning or whatever, and you walked through and There wasn't one major table. Every family like had a corner. Even though they ate their lunch meals in the dining room. But for the Seder, it didn't matter where. So they put everybody in nooks and crannies and corners and hallways and conference rooms and outside and inside. And everywhere you looked were tables of 5, 10, 15 people. Tell them the story passing the baton, having small conversations, influencing. The influence that we, we look to in our lives that really matter are the influences that are small and consistent. If the influences that we see sometimes in a way that is, is private, We look over to somebody and catch them in a real moment. And that moment that we see them and they don't know anyone's watching, does that imprint, there's an imprint that takes place in our mind, that that thing is real. When you're standing in front of a screen, sometimes you don't know if the person's real. Maybe they're acting. They're reading a speech. They're saying words. Is it real? I don't know. It sounds real. I don't know if you ever, years ago, I saw this documentary about Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know if you've seen this before. It was fascinating. I think it's called The Comedian. I'm not sure. But my Googlers can Google and see it. Jerry Seinfeld is one of the, I guess, best comedians in the past 50 years. Definitely one of the most profitable ones. And whenever you've seen Jerry Seinfeld or any comedian perform, you like look at them and they like, like, they seem so natural. You ever like watch a comedian? It's like, they're like, you know, just telling a story of what happened to them 10 minutes ago, getting out of the cab. And they're just like talking to you. And they're like, you know, they're thinking, and they're like, you know, drinking their water and then like, and then something pops into their head. and They tell them the joke and it's perfect. You know what I'm about? And then they, they move on to the next story. And then the next story, and then the next story. And then before you know, like on their third story, the punchline is what took place in the first story. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, oh my God, that's insane. This guy's insane. Like, oh my God, that's right. He set up the punchline five stories later and you're like, this guy's the best ever. And then like, you know, they walk around, they're just thinking and they're like, you ever watch a good comedian? Like it it feels like they just like, they get up there like, hey guys, what's up? Like, what do you want to talk about? One hour later and you're laughing every three seconds. You ever like- Look into how comedians work. So this, this documentary followed Jerry Seinfeld around. Jerry Seinfeld, it takes a year for him to make a 45-minute documentary, a uh, comedy special, a year, a year, a year for 45 minutes. He writes every single day. He times his punchlines by, uh, by how it, the beats he tries out, the way it works is, then some of you guys may know it's not, it's not, it's awesome. In the comedy scene, there's like, I don't know, if you get to like, I guess, an A-level comedian, you get to like go to like a whole bunch of comedy clubs in the city or wherever you are, LA, New York, and just show up whenever you want. So like, you can be like at a comedy club, listening to some like, you know, C comedian, talk about nothing. And all of a sudden like Jerry Seinfeld walks in. And he like goes to the back and he's like, can I get up? And they're like, yeah, for sure. Five minutes. And in between sets of like B and C guys, Seinfeld just walks in. Everyone's like, holy cow, Jerry Seinfeld's here. And he delivers some joke that's like not even funny. And the crowd's like, what? That was Jerry Seinfeld? Like what? And then he's gone. Because he's got to try out the joke. And then what he does is he goes to the back of some of these rooms. And in the back are like four of his buddies that are like A-level comedians. And they analyze the joke. So he gets up there, does a joke that he's written before, delivers it. Then he goes back and analyzes it. Then he goes back and rewrites it. And the next day he goes to a different club and tries it again. By the time he gives that joke on stage, he said it 4 million times. And he's already choreographed, like, the pretending, oh, my gosh. So I was walking. you believe I was on an airplane? And, like, I can't believe they have a place for razors. Like, who's shaving? And like and they do the whole Seinfeld bit. Who's tur- why don't they let you turn on the sink that bit wasn't like he was on the way over here and thought about it that bit was like rehearsed to the tape it's not real it just pretends to be real so many things in life people seem so smooth on camera that's not real Sometimes I was uh, so many videos that we did, especially b- um, back then, where like, people were like, wow, how did you speak for six straight minutes without saying ah oh, or um? I'm like, because it took us 40 times. And it, and, it, and it's you kidding me? You think you get up on a video with the lights in your face and you don't say um for the first time? So much of life isn't real. It just looks real. Even pictures today aren't real. You take a picture, like if you look at like a billboard, which is not a good idea in general, but you look at a billboard, those people aren't real. It's doctored, everything is not real. Even Instagram isn't real. Nothing's real. So the influence through those mediums, they're good. But we forget what it feels like to see something raw and real. Even reality TV, from what I understand, isn't real. It just pretends more to be real. It's just unscripted, as they say. It's not real. When you see something or someone that's real, it has an impact. It, it influences you. being real could being real could change somebody much more than the most perfectly choreographed influential moment that's how it works because something takes place in your soul something takes place in your mind when you catch somebody doing something that nobody's watching your brain like clicks in and says wait 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 wait, this is different we st- are starved for real someone once explained to me once that's why everybody tries to make babies smile you ever see this something this is a crazy thing that we have like you see a baby and everyone's like googling at it This tough business executive like just walks by his little baby in the elevator and he's like, Google, like, and you're like, what? What are you googling at the baby for? Who cares if the baby smiles? It's like a thing that we all do. We have this like obsession for like, you know, three months old to smile. Like, I don't understand. Do you take the baby out and you want to burp it too? Like, why do we go crazy with these babies? And someone gave me the greatest answer. He said, Because a baby smile is real. And when you get a real smile, man. You don't know if someone's smiling at you because they're faking it. There are ways to tell, but we're not experts at facial recognition. And so when you see a baby and you make it smile, it lights up your day because it's real. Never underestimate, never underestimate the influence you can have by recognizing that just you alone and who you are is a paradigm for others to watch. Now, inside you, you may not feel like it's really you. It may be the elevated you. You may have to force it. But that's growth. Growth is, it doesn't feel natural, but I think this is right. I'm going to force myself to do something. That's not being a hypocrite because your brain doesn't have the neuroplasticity and you're trying to upgrade your mind. So you're naturally more inclined to wake up in the morning and be in a bad mood, but you know you don't want to. So you force yourself to put yourself a a smile on. That's not being fake. That's being growing. That's being a grower. Your brain will say, don't be fake but your brain doesn't understand that the only way you grow is when your soul overwhelms your neuroplasticity. So you can wake up in the morning and say, I feel like I want to give up, but I have a household full of people, or I've got a company, or I've got a group of friends, or I've got whatever. And if I feel like I want to give up, I'm going to influence them wrong. Step up, put a smile on your face. My aunt was like this. My aunt who passed away earlier this year was like this. Really, she was a a real heroine. She had stage four cancer. Up until the last moment of her life, she was like, I'm good, I'm good. Really, it was insane. Insane. Up to the day that she passed away, she passed away on a Thursday night. The day that morning, she's telling her, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. We're good, let's do it, relax. What are you crying for? We're good. She had this thing, really. She always had that, let's do it. And it influenced everyone around her. She wasn't a speaker. She wasn't a rabbi. She didn't give, you know, talks. She didn't write books, but she influenced people. Really influ- You should see what went on during that funeral. You should have seen what went on during that shiva. You should have seen her children, My cousins. Incredible. You know why? Because she understood that her actions influence others. And she had this resilience and strength that even though she faced challenges her whole life, it never got her and it changed the people around her. She, I'm sure, didn't feel like she wanted a get up and be strong battling cancer in the last days of her life she withered in pain i'm sure she would have rather just said it's over this is terrible and just lost it but she had something inside her that said there are other people that are watching me got to be strong that's not faking that's being responsible And the people around her, the community, the family, the friends. They didn't like say when she spoke or when she said or when she wrote her life. Her life. That's influence. It's stepping up in our lives, feeling responsible, that our actions influence others, even if no, she would never have known. My uncle told me stories of people that came and told them. She would never have known the list of people who she influenced. Ever. But that's influence. It's taking responsibility because we're connected to other people. And being real with that. When somebody sees us acting with strength without waiting for someone to pat us on the back, without waiting for the line, the script, without practicing twenty times, just being us—even if you fail. That's where you make an imprint. That's where you imprint on somebody else. Someone once said to me once that they follow speakers. This person like loves speakers and they watch speakers all the time. I'm like. Great, and they go. I don't watch them at their speech. I said, so why do you watch them? This? He said, I always watch them after they're done with their speech. How do you deal with people that ask questions? What do you do afterwards? How do you eat and talk and influence? All right, hi, all right, everybody, let's go be us. We're all endowed with our creator to go make a difference let's not let's stop worrying about whether or not we're winning the like war or run over the hearts or whatever if each and every one of us just tries to be a better us you'll be surprised just how how influential we can really be all right have an amazing day with god's help i cannot wait to see you tomorrow great day